Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Our theme for this year is loving. It's this idea that uh, we can't just talk about love, but love really has to be put into action in the world. And, you know, the great commandment is the heart of the Christian faith. It's what Jesus tells us we should do if we want to live. You know, last week we started off this sermon series by looking at the love of God. And we said that God's love poured out in Jesus Christ in the world is the most powerful force in the universe. And that only the love of God can change the world. But you know, you and I, we have to open ourselves. We have to accept the power and the presence and the possibility of the love of God here and now in our world. And when we accept this love of God and the power and the force and the possibility present with it, then the scriptures tell us we are to love our neighbor. Now, this text here in the Gospel of Luke is probably the clearest idea we're going to get from Jesus about what he means by 
love our neighbor. And you know, we've heard it now twice, you ought to know this story well, that you get this teacher of the law, this expert in the law, and this crowd is there, and he says to Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What, have, what am I supposed to do, Jesus, if I want to live well, if I want to be in relationship with God, if I want to be blessed, if I want to really, truly have life, what is it I need to do? Well, you've heard me say by now dozens of times that Jesus never then just gives an answer. He doesn't say, let me pull out my chalkboard and write the answer for you for you to memorize. No, what does Jesus do? He asks a question. He says, you're an expert in the law, you tell me. What does it say in the, in the Torah, in the Old Testament, in the scriptures that you study? And he says, well, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, yep, that's it. Do that and God will bless you. There's nothing, yeah, see, there's no strings attached. There's nothing added to it. It's just love. Well, and now the teacher of the law, it says to justify himself, but maybe he's testing Jesus or maybe he's just really showing he's a, he's a thoughtful guy, and, and he follows up with a question. He says, okay, but who is my neighbor? That is a great question. Who is our neighbor? How do we know who our neighbor is? Who is the one that we're supposed to love? It is really an important question, and one we don't ask often enough. Now, the Greek text here, if you're looking uh, at the, the biblical Greek, the word for neighbor is pleseon. I may have said that wrong. But the word for neighbor, pleseon, is also used to talk about near, being near, nearness, N-E-A-R, near. So there is a relationship for the hearers of this text in Greek between the neighbor and the one who is near. But wait just a minute. What does near mean? Right? So you can understand why this question would be asked. Uh, for us, sometimes in English, when we talk about being near, we're talking about physical proximity. My next door neighbor is near. Sometimes it's a sort of a distance, but other times we use near to talk about those who are near and dear to us. Um, you know, well, uh, uh, a synonym would be uh, those I'm close to, right? That same kind of nearness idea, and it, it really means uh, someone that I'm in relationship to. My friends, my family, my church family, I'm near to these people because I'm in relationship to them. So this lawyer is asking, is it people that are nearby me, or is it people I'm in relationship with? Are those my neighbors? And Jesus, of course, <laughs> just as Jesus does, is going to now say, well, let me tell you a story. Now, why does Jesus always tell a story or ask a question? Because, I hope what you were saying, Caitlin, was because he wants us to stop and think. 
because we're on automatic pilot all the time. And instead, Jesus says, well, let me tell you a story. You all know there's that really dangerous stretch of road going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And it was known as a place where you would get robbed and beaten up. It was a dangerous road. And he says, you know, and there are all the listeners are like, oh, yeah, we know that road. And this guy is going down the road, and he gets attacked and beaten up and, and stripped and robbed and, and, and left bleeding and unconscious and half dead in the road. And then Jesus says, two people come by who are good church people. All right. You know, this isn't, this isn't about pointing fingers at uh, the people of Israel or the religious people. This is really about us in many ways and saying, you know, the, this story could be told saying, and then uh, a Christian minister and then a Christian lay person uh, who talked about Jesus all the time and, and who said that, you know, they followed everything that, that Jesus asked them to do, uh, came down the road, saw the guy, and made a, a, a skirted around him, right? Would not stop, would not look at the man, but just moved away from him and kept going. Now, the real question here at this part of the story is Jesus doesn't say anything about their motivations. This is really important. It's really important for us. You know, let's be honest. You and I are never going to help everybody we encounter. I don't, you don't. But the question Jesus is really asking us to think about at this point is why? We don't know. Did these uh, good uh, churchy people... Were they thinking, well, I know the law, I know what I've been taught. If this guy is really dead and I touch him, I'm unclean. I'm going to be outside the community for a week, two weeks. I can't do my job. I'm not good to anybody. And the, the law of God tells me not to touch someone who's dead. I'm going on. Or is it because they're afraid? Wow, maybe this is a setup. If, if I stop and help this guy, I'm going to get beaten up and robbed. I better just hurry on. This is a dangerous road. You see, we don't know the motivations. And this is the thing we have to ask ourselves. Anytime we choose not to help, Jesus is asking us, why? What's going on in your mind that you won't help? And then Jesus says, oh, and now trucking down the road comes a Samaritan. And they're like, oh, we don't like Samaritans. Yuck. Why would a Samaritan be on the road? Listen, for generations, for centuries, Israel and the Samaritans had been sworn enemies. I would be willing to bet most of the people listening to Jesus tell that story had never even met a Samaritan. But you know the way people do. You know the way families and cultures and societies begin to label people. These are our enemies. These are the people who are like us. These are good people. These are bad people. These are worthy people. These are unworthy people. And we human beings get these categories set up in our minds. And we think they're from God. Listen, 
Do you know how many times in history the church of Jesus Christ has done this? We began the church in the United States saying black people were sinful and unworthy of God. Thank God we don't think that way anymore. Then we, we decided women were uh, sinful and unworthy of God. Well, I don't know. I like to think I'm worthy of God and that God uses me for the good of God's kingdom, but, but you be the judge of that. There was a time in Methodism, at least, we didn't think lay people were worthy of participation in the decision-making of the church because you, yeah, you weren't holy enough. We do this over and over again. We get these categories that we set up and then we decide certain people are beyond the worthiness and the love of the church. They are a category. We may not even know them or their face or, or have ever met someone, but we already have decided we don't like them. You see? It happens all the time, and it's of human origin. It's not of God because here Jesus says to us, the one who these people would have thought is the outsider, the enemy, the unclean, the unholy, is exactly the one who stops to help. And notice, if you go back and read the text, everything slows down. Jesus has all these details where, you know, he takes wine to clean the wounds. He takes oil to kind of salve the wounds. He ties bandages on the wounds. He lifts this guy up. He puts him on his donkey. He walks this guy to an inn. He stays with the guy to make sure he's okay. The next day, he gives the innkeeper two typical days, two days of wages for a typical worker. Two days of wages. He says, I'll give you more when I come back. Now, this... Samaritan, the one unworthy of God in their minds, the one who was the outsider who could not possibly know or love God or do anything good in the world, is actually the one who shows extravagant compassion, extravagant everything. He's extravagant with his time. He's extravagant with his resources. He's extravagant with his money. He overflows with the love of God as if to say every human being is worthy of healing and wholeness no matter who they are, no matter what has happened to them. And the interesting thing, which I think too often we miss in this story, is when Jesus is done, he changes the question. You ever notice this? That the lawyer asks the question, who is my neighbor? And when Jesus finishes telling this story, he says, who do you think was the neighbor? Not who out there is my neighbor that I should help. Jesus says, who is the neighbor? In this story, who became the neighbor? Who chose to be a neighbor? And to the lawyer's credit, he says, the one who showed mercy. 
So you see the love of God in Jesus Christ bursts open boundaries. The love of God in Jesus Christ places no boundaries on who is lovable, on who is healable, on who is worthy of God. Jesus is showing us right now, right here in this passage, that we are to be the neighbor. We are to be the one who shows compassion. We are to be the ones who are extravagant with our love, with our mercy, with our compassion, with our healing, with our resources. And I give thanks to God for a, a church, this village, which for the most part is pretty darn extravagant in showing God's love. And yet, we all know there's more that God asks of us. And the question for 2023 is, how will we be more of a neighbor? How will we break open those categories and those boundaries that human beings set up and then say are God's way when all the while God's love is trying to burst open the world and hold and heal the whole entire universe, everyone, in everything. And so it is that Jesus finishes up by saying these words, go and do likewise. Jesus reminds us once again, it's not enough to believe it, it's not enough to say it. The only way that love is real in our world, that Jesus is made real here and now in our world, is when we pour out God's love, when we act with mercy, when we act with compassion, extravagantly open to all. And so on this day, as we ourselves pray to the living God that we might be the neighbor in countless ways, we take to heart Jesus as he says to us, go and do likewise. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.